The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. I'm Toby Manhai. This is Gone by Lunchtime, a, um, like a reunion, it's like a reunion tour. The, you thought it had gone, but it's back. The last time we recorded this podcast, um, uh, w- w- there were dinosaurs roaming the earth. Um, this, uh, this is like the Six Pistols Filthy Luca tour, the, the sort of aged reunion. Which, but, one, which one are you? The... <laughs> Who, who was the one who died <laughs> shortly after their first flash yeah, of success? But it, but it is. It's like like like. But now there's a lot. Just like when the Six Pistols reformed, now it's just a big corporate exercise. We're here in like a, a flash new spinoff studio. So where, how it's not in a, We are in the new new premises for the spinoff. I went to the bathroom. Side. It's amazing. <laughs> there's one the, the lock on the door works. One, Lou. <laughs> We are so. We are so. This is corporate now. spinoff. Well, we nearly replaced Ben with um, Neil Finn. Yeah. <laughs> good. I see what you did. Did you like that? That was very good. Thanks. That's that's Annabelle <clears throat> Lee from the Hui. Um, welcome. And the other voice um, is Ben Thomas from Exceltium. Um, and uh, Alice Webbladal is making everything work for us. Hi, Alice. Hi, Alice. Um, and sorry, it's been so long. To those of you to whom that's important, uh, Mum, uh, since the last podcast, um, our, our most popular participant, Waimehia Rose, has started school. She's actually interning in Kitty Tapu Allen's office. Is she? Mm. Um, yeah. Is she? Well, is Trevor Mallard the head prefect still in that organisation? Um, he um, provides a lot of oversight in terms of you know mm. the job and that. She's enjoying Wellington though. Unlike Ben, she's a fan. So much time has passed since the last podcast. Ben Thomas has lost his hair. It's it's been pretty traumatic. Um, when did we last? When did we last pod? Like, it's been a long. It's, we're actually not even called Gone by Lunchtime anymore. We're just called Gone. It was. It was. It was BC. Rebrand. It was before child. It was breaking news. Uh, Jacinda Ardern has had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Emergency <laughs> podcast. Wonderful. Gone by Lunchtime. Jacinda Ardern has has created an entirely separate human. A, emerged a, from her own body. An entity has, well. has, has emerged from the prime minister. That prime minister. Yeah, that was that, that was that. That, that was quite good actually. Mm, very good. Um, uh, the child's name is Neve. Would have been Neville if it had been a boy. Mm. 
we should talk about that, I suppose, though. I mean, it um, uh, it was all reasonably decorous. Every, no, every, I mean, no one, no, the the media have all behaved reasonably well in terms of babies performing well. Is is the baby <clears throat> performing well? Mm, ben you, has some more intel on oh, that, okay. don't you, Ben? Well, no, I, I mean, you hear whispers. There haven't been any published polls uh, for a long time. Um, but the, the whispers that you hear about parties' internal polling is there was a pretty significant baby bump for Labour, probably even more significant than the one before the birth. Mm. Um, it's, been, it's been good for the government. Um, you know, the, the, you know, Jacinda Ardern, like not, not only did she give birth to a beautiful child um, and, and with all... Well, it was beautiful. Of, we haven't seen it for weeks. It may have gone, but sometimes they go a bit... Gone yeah, to seed or... Gone. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm just saying we don't know that for a fact. We're, that's an assumption. No, look, we're, we're operating in a low-information environment. The published pictures have been very cute. Mm. Um, Clark acquitted himself well, and the, the first the first man in, in his dad cardigan or, or something mm. was very endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Prime Minister only sort of appeared once on the debut of the government's uh, much-heralded families package, uh, you know, yep. cradling the child. In a, in a sort of you know hasty Blair Witch kind of ancan footage, <laughs> she used the um, she used the new mother filter on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all extremely relatable, extremely adorable, and even better for New Zealanders' sense of self. It garnered worldwide attention and praise from the foreign press. Mm. Uh, there is nothing New Zealanders like better than being told that we are progressive and incredible. We love foreigners to love us, don't we? Yes. Yeah, and by, and by us we mean the prime minister's baby, but yeah. basically our baby. Yeah, Pretty the nation's our child. Our baby. It takes yeah. a village. It ta- a, a village of Zealand, What is New Zealand if not a village? Annabelle, mm. acting prime minister Winston Peters, how's he gone? Look, we've had fun, haven't we? No one's got scurvy. Sifs hasn't come and uplifted any of the kids. It's all fine. It's exactly what you'd expect when Uncle Winston is minding the kids while mum's away. It's funny, isn't it? Because there are some things where you, if you kind of write them down, like some of the Fonterra stuff and the kind of most hilarious um, seismic political story of recent weeks, which is the hamburger on an (laughs) aeroplane, in which you've got New Zealand First members, Cabinet members, including the acting prime minister, repudiating uh, government policy and, and the, the New Zealand area, and you know that that sort of seems like that could be quite a big deal. That could be quite a fissure, but everyone sort of seems to be going. Ah. Well, <laughs> they, yeah. So on the hamburger thing, because I think, it, and you know, this was about the Air New Zealand introduced the what's it called Vegan the burger. impossible burger. the impossible, the impossible burger, burger. Um, which is a fake meat burger that tastes a little bit like low grade meat. Um, New Zealand First, obviously furious about this this betrayal, that treason essentially. Yes, true. Um, and 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 then came out and praised uh, Virgin Australia yes. when they promoted Australian beef, missing again as as you said the fact that Virgin Australia is an Australian airline. There's yes. clues there if you look. Yeah. Um, which is, it struck me as kind of the same way that Republicans in the United States now have more confidence in Vladimir Putin than they do in the Democratic Party. Uh, New Zealand first are kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for internal enemies mm. um, in this nationalist cause. But yeah, somebody said to me, uh, well, you know, yeah, it's all been fun having Winston in there. Oh, he hasn't started any wars. And all I could think was only just barely. Um, if you look at his performance... <laughs> 
as Prime Minister, remember it's been four weeks, and in that four weeks, he has publicly declared that Theresa May's leadership is over and there is a spill on in a country that we're just about to try and begin free trade talks with. Um, mm. he, we have been rebuked by China for the defence white paper, which identified them as an external threat in the Pacific with their expansionism. Um, Mild just rebuke. In, in recent days, um, in recent days, he is in, in comments that were reported widely in the Australian media, he told the Australians that they should change their flag so that it doesn't look like ours. Now, this may seem like a bit of fun to us, but this is the this is the flag that Australians drape themselves with before they beat up immigrants on Australia Day. It, it means a lot to them. <laughs> Uh, um, Let let me go to my list. Oh, he also prevaricated uh, in actually the same when he was asked about Trump's prevarications on uh, whether um, whether Russia had interfered in uh, New Zealand uh, in in American elections. Um, Peters himself was himself was similarly non-committal and and wouldn't condemn Russia. So, I mean, if any normal prime minister in any normal times had done this over the period of four weeks, we would think that the country was on the brink of chaos. Um, and, I, and I think it's only the fact that there is an end in sight and people see this as a kind of humorous interlude oh. um, that has avoided sort of mass panic in New Zealand. I think people, are, uh, nobody wants to um, stress Jacinda out because she's a, a new <laughs> mum, so everyone's being patient. One of the interesting issues that has popped up over the last few weeks, I think, is the Wally Homaha one mm. and um, the revelations that he made comments about um, Shipton and Sholem and voiced his support for them. And um, I actually think it is an important one, especially um, in the wake of what we've seen happen with uh, Awanui Yarangi Black and the allegations made against him by mm. his um, wife Anihira Black. And it... Uh, I'm not sure how Wally would be able to involve himself at any level in in that um, in that case now, having made those sorts of comments, and that's why it is so important that um, that we look into what happened and what the process was around him being appointed. And that that investigation, which which um, Peters as acting prime minister was very quick to call. Almost, sort of, almost, almost immediately, as it appeared on the front page of the Herald, he was calling for an inquiry. Part, part of the, part of the reason, I pres- presume, that it was politically sensitive was that Omaha had once sought to stand as New Zealand first candidate. Is that it's, right? It's unclear. It seems as if he he announced to friends and family that he was a New Zealand first candidate, and also that he raised funds to run as a New Zealand first candidate, um, but that, but that he never actually appeared on the ballot. Um, there was a different candidate when the election happened. Um, in, in terms of his historical comments, obviously what they'll be looking at is whether he's repudiated those, you know, whether he's sort of uh, come to God in the intervening years. I would be surprised if he hadn't. Um, the New Zealand police, following the um, Sholem Shipton and, and Rickard affairs, did engage in a lot of soul-searching uh, about the way that they deal with sexual violence cases and victims. Um, I, th- I think they're, they're, there's a bit of a consensus now that they are much better at dealing with those kinds of things mm. within the constraints of a court system that is probably weighed against victims. 
um, and you know sort of baby steps are being made in that regard. Um, interestingly enough, the the not minister but uh, member of the executive who's responsible for looking at those further changes, Jan Logie, uh, passed a private members bill. Uh, yesterday, mm. which um, gave people a right to up to 10 days paid leave for domestic violence mm. and abuse per so, year, per, per year. Um, which, you know, the, you know, what one thing that we've, I mean, she's a very capable politician, very good in this area. Um, and it does, it does show the sorts of gains that the Greens are slowly making in government, even though over the last four weeks they've been completely overshadowed by New Zealand First sort of throwing its weight around um, and and buying war ge- uh, warplanes and uh, mm. do, you, do do you feel as though New Zealand First have made gains, Annabelle, over the these sort of four and a half weeks or so? Do you feel as though I mean it's quite useful in a way not to see any published polls because we can make some assessments independent of that. But do you? You know, you've got the Ron Marks defence activity, Shane Jones trying to find new ways to describe himself as the champion of the provinces, um, and Winston being Winston and doing all that sort of stuff. Do you think they've, they, they, they've, they've kind of performed? Uh, I think, with uh, I mean, I think, I think they've performed reasonably. I don't think they've covered themselves in glory, but yeah. I also don't think that they've. Um, mortally embarrassed themselves either. I think they're just sort of ticking along. Yeah. Doing doing exactly the sort of things that, you know, you'd expect them to do. Mm. And look, having Winston in the driver's seat can only be good for the New Zealand First vote. Um, mm. I think New Zealand yeah. First, more so than the Greens and more so than Labour are capable of doing within the coalition that they have, um, are very concerned with differentiating themselves um, within that three-party grouping. And making clear that Winston Peters as Prime Minister is not just warming a seat for Jacinda Ardern. He's making he and Ron Mark are making you know important decisions about mm. defence spending. Um, you know his comments about China, as you mm. said, did earn a, a mild rebuke from China, but they weren't they weren't off base. You mm. know, no, well, that was quite a successfully executed strategy, if, if that's what it was. You know mm. that, it, that it, I mean it also had 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 remarks in it about Trump, which I think were. Played underplayed a bit, and the, I mean, if you look at that um, document, uh, the 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 number of times that it talked about rules based systems, mm. which is <coughs> could be read as an attack on 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 Trump. Everyone's talking about rules based systems. It was kind of a criticism of, of of all of that. I mean, and and I mean, if you read someone like David Capey um, from Victoria University, his line is that that's what diplomats have been saying for some years anyway. It's much just sort of pushing it through the the the, the diplomatic cellophane a bit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this was this was the most blunt public document in terms of our relationships with you know the two great powers, China and the United States, um, that I think we've seen for some time now. Maybe that's because diplomatic language has been changed forever, or at least temporarily, by the Trump administration. Mm. Um, you know, gallivanting around the globe, just saying increasingly insane things. And so there's a, a sort of a, a lower threshold for, mm. <laughs> for, for getting comments passed. But yeah, I, I mean, New Zealand First is is playing to its voters. They tend to be cellar dwellers in the period between elections. They they rarely ever bump over five percent in polls. Yeah, uh, you know, until an election year. Um, this will be good for keeping them in the minds of their voters. Um, the, you know, 
obviously before Jacinda uh, went on leave, um, Winston Peters mercilessly knifed Andrew Little in the back over his announced plans three strikes, to, to abolish the three strikes law. And, and Winston just pulled the rug out from under him, uh, revealing a trap door and a pit full of spikes for him to writhe in pain on. Um, it, it really was quite excruciating to watch. Um, mm. But but all of this is, is good branding for Peters. Um, so I, I think it will have helped his his core vote and, and keeping his party relevant. And you're right in a way, I think we probably overplay the extent to which um, they kind of want to make a noise and win headlines in these intervening years. Like sort of come election year, then suddenly it's all on and mm. they want that attention. In the meantime, they just want to get some stuff in the bank, right? Like, I mean, the main, the main, the main priority, surely, for both the formal coalition partner and the confidence and supply partner, being the Greens, is to get some policy wins and be able to say, look at what we got for you, this works, and then to... Yeah, I, I think that New Zealand First are much more concerned... You know, Winston Peters has been in government twice before in a coalition. Both times have ended in disaster from his perspective. Um, and, you know, he's constantly learning. After the 1996 formal coalition agreement with National, he innovated and created that much looser arrangement of being a foreign minister outside cabinet in 2005-2008. He's innovating again here, which is working inside the tent, being a formal member of the government, being in cabinet, being the deputy prime minister, but really signalling to his voters that he's not necessarily on board with everything the government does. You know, and that's come through with everything from Shane Jones's sort of exaggerated eye-rolling and yawning during the uh, oil ban announcement in the mm. background um, th- through to, you know, knifing Andrew Little on the three strikes. Um, and, and Well, it was and, spikes before. So was it a trap? Is it a knifing or is it a... The trapdoor in the no, knife, 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 spike is a, yeah. Annabelle, the other interesting point of discussion is Simon Bridges' performance during all this. Because there was some talk ahead of it that the strategy was to not go too hard on Winston Peters and to just sort of let things play out. He went on his tour of the tour of New Zealand. 70 stops or something, meeting the people in the heartland and cities, blah, blah, blah. How's Simon Bridges doing, do you reckon? How's, what's your report card on Simon Bridges? I feel like um, maybe dissing Jacinda's baby didn't work out that good for right. him. Right, yeah. Even though it was in jest. Yeah, although, yeah. I mean... Who would have thunk it, though? Oh, again, like, you I guys, thought I mean, it was no, a fair no, play, but yeah, no, apparently people don't I like mean, it when you oh. go after people's <coughs> babies. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he missed... That was a kind of... There was a tinnied quality to that, wasn't there? It kind mm. of makes you, in a way, realise what a <clears throat> master of that form John Key was. That, you know, I sort of... I mean, I know maybe it's not cool to feel sorry for somebody who was being mean to a baby, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, going into where was it, Hauraki or wherever, wherever. Um, Alice is nodding mm. um, there, and sort of being about, oh, you yeah, here, yeah, I'm with the boys, because a little, little bit of the boys, the boys, the boys, feeding the chickens, It's like, you know, John Key kind of, he kind of had a natural affinity with the gawkiness or something. He did, and yeah, I, th- I feel he was more sort of self-deprecating in that right. regard as well, which probably helped. Um, 
Yeah, no. And then he got owned by Winston the other day in Parliament as oh, well. Yeah, it's not good times yeah. for Simon. Simon. Oh, Simon's yeah. doing it tough, but, you know, it's a tough gig he's got. Speak he's up, up for Simon. He, ben. I mean, he look, he has the worst job in politics. People say that about the leader of the opposition. It's, it's, great the, it's the, the worst, worst job, job in politics. politics. The opposition. But, but, but far I worse than that, that is being so the leader of the opposition good. when your party has just been turfed out of power after nine years and the Prime Minister has just given birth to a baby. I mean, there, there is no worse position Simon's to be in. No, made babies. N- nobody cares what you think or what you say unless you accidentally insult the baby. Simon needs to get said. his babies oh, out. going to listen to me. I can't get a, uh, oh, fuck that baby. Oh, now they're listening. And, 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 yeah, that's the point. I mean, he and his instinct was right. Uh, you know, there is value in going around to provincial New Zealand and and cities and hitting eighty public meetings. I mean, they said that yep. he had audiences of up to ten thousand people. Now that's only point three percent of voters say, but that's a lot of people, you know. And and people voters will tend to like you more if they've seen you in person. All the feedback that I've seen, I've heard from national people, obviously, but also journalists, is that he's acquitted himself much better and come across much better in those public meetings than he necessarily does in the media. Mm. I um, think that's true. I think he's much better in person than um, than he is in front of the media. Yeah, and he's and, and at those town halls, you get asked about everything. So it's a good kind of training ground for, you know, really getting to grips with your policy, mm. having a sense of what, what people are interested in. I mean, Labour did these tours disastrously in opposition. I think, you know, they used to have a big red bus, have a listening tour. Um, I think the worst was Phil Goff's Wild Hogs, Tim Allen-style motorcycle trip around the provinces with he and Rick Barker and Annette King's husband all dressed in their leathers and <laughs> pulling into the te- like Tikawiti Tavern. Just awful. Um, I mean, Simon has, Simon Bridges is, you know, he's, he's avoided the worst of those things, probably taken on, taken on the best aspects of getting out and meeting real people. Um, but he, he was never going to be able to make an impact. If he had stayed in Wellington and just batted up against Winston Peters, even if he had been successful at embarrassing Winston Peters, he, Peters would be gone in two weeks' time and then Jacinda and the baby would be back. Um, so there was, he was on a hiding to nothing. I think he probably used his time the best that he could, apart from the Hodaki interview. Um, yeah, I don't know. I sort of feel like at the same time, whether it's him or generally, they, you sort of, a more effective opposition might be pointing up the uh, contradictions between the parties of government, potentially. I don't know. Anyway, the medical, the, the medical cannabis thing um, is the latest sort of uh, possibly tactical strategic win on Nationals' part. They at the 11th hour, withdrew support for the government bill which would uh, semi-legalise cannabis for medicinal use. Um, and then you understand what happened, don't you, Ben? Explain to us what happened. So what happened is that National decided that they didn't want to support uh, the government's medicinal cannabis bill. They... They argue that this is because the Labour MPs on the select committee were very tightly bound by what they had promised New Zealand First, who are obviously very conservative on cannabis, Mm. and so weren't amenable to the suggestions that submitters and the National Party MPs were making on the bill. Um, Labour argue with that, but it seems to be about right. 
Um, so they they got Dr. Shane Retty, who's a backbencher I knew almost nothing about, um, and I think Chris Bishop was involved. They he's the one who beat Shane Jones in Whangarei, isn't he? Shane Retty. Shane, uh, he yeah, he's he's the Whangarei MP. So he's he's been in Parliament for a while, and mm. he's a very smart guy, but doesn't have a high profile. He's the one that that left the the message on that lady's phone who'd been going to his electric clinic trying to get help or something about the. Oh, roads. that might have been yeah, that yeah, might have been Shane Reedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Um, it was mucho pro- embarrassante. Uh, pro- probably <laughs> fair to say he he's not known as a master of the political arts, but uh, he's very across public health issues. Yes. Um. So that the, they they said you know we're not going to support the government's bill because we can't get these amendments. This created an awkward position for the government because they no longer had the numbers on their health select committee um, to recommend that the bill is passed. This is a function of the so-called opposition from hell, where um, mm. Labour and or the government doesn't have majorities on a lot of mm. select committees because of the size of the opposition. Um, being the biggest party in parliament, be, being the single biggest party in parliament, mm. yeah, and. That 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 doesn't mean that their bill can't proceed. They've still got numbers in the house as long as New Zealand First and the Greens support it. It does mean it'll be a bit slower because any amendments that they do want to make will have to go through um, uh, what are they called supplementary order papers in the committee of the whole house, all technical and boring. But also provides a bit of a PR loss for the government, and and worse for the government, and better for the National Party, and hopefully better for medicinal cannabis debate in New Zealand. Um, people like Russell Brown have come out and said, actually, the National Party bill is better, um, which I think is probably hugely uh, a, a, a bit of a problem. Fun so, fact. Ross, Ross Bell from the Drug Foundation as well. Yeah, Russell, Russell yeah. Brown's piece you can read on the spinoff. Sorry, sorry. Fun fact about that um, that bill is that um, if you're poor and you need medical marijuana, it's probably not going to do a whole lot for you because it has to be like the the the... Um, sort of mass produced. Yeah, tr- it treats it exactly like pharma. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you're someone who might use like homemade um, a marijuana balm, we did a, a story about um, a woman up north who produces um, balms and salves for people with arthritis. That stuff is still illegal. So for um, most people, a lot of those products are going to be well beyond their reach. It does seem like, I mean, the like, Labour's response, like Louisa Wall is saying, that they're playing playing political games with something that is, they're in broad agreement on. I, it I, does, I mean, somewhere this is broken down, and I don't know where the, where the blame lies, but it does seem a little bit fucked that they can't work out what the best, you know, given that the two biggest parties in Parliament and the Greens are all pretty well on the same page on this. Where the Labour bill falls down, I think, nationalise is first of all it doesn't actually prescribe any of the regulations that the scheme will operate under it instead just says there'll be a regulatory body and it will come up with regulations um, so I think there's an accusation of vagueness there there's uh, the issue that Annabelle was talking about the labour bill provides for loose what they've called loose leaf products or you know plants uh, for terminal patients to grow and use their own um, but that's the thing too is it's only for terminal patients but on, so but if you have like some debilitating patients. like illness that you know like um you're you have chronic, chronic arth- pain, yeah, yeah arthritis or whatever you don't get to use that stuff yeah and also there's no defense for if if somebody uh is is you know wants to grow their own marrow or their own cannabis plants you know at the hospice they're in for their own personal use doesn't protect the hospice um or any of the care workers. So, but, you know, it does seem like a flawed bill. Is it playing politics? I mean, it 
in a in a way it is you know national have worked this very well using their numerical advantage you know their numerical advantage as a large opposition um but what they've also done is seemingly produced a better bill so there was all this talk about you know the opposition from hell um, early on and people were saying bill english who was then the leader was threatening to sort of gum up the business of government and be obstructive but what we've actually seen is a lot of these former ministers and a lot of the probably better backbenchers in national have been contributing in a really in in what you would have to say objectively as a positive fashion you know my old boss chris finlayson his contempt bill uh, which is a private member's bill, is I think being picked up by the government um, for the reforms it makes to the law of contempt. Um, Nikki Wagner, you know, uh, some, some others have, you know, bills in that reflect policy they were going to pass, uh, you know, when they were ministers, but, you know, never got around to. And and here, you know, this seems like a better bill. So obviously there's a political element to it. There were tactics involved in pulling their support and then introducing their own bill. Um but it also seems to be quite a constructive way of getting better law. Um, nurses, strikes. Um, Actually, could we just go back to Louisa Wall? Because I thought she did very well. Louisa Wall. Uh, she, she did well on Morning Report. You know, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that her stance, stance held up, but she, she gave a good account of the government's position. And I was thinking about Louisa Wall the other day, and... Thinking just how furious, as, as an MP of about 11, 11 years standing, I think, it just how she must feel when she sees Kelvin Davis or Claire Curran, you know, acting in their capacity as ministers of the Crown, um, and, and she's a, a government backbencher. It, um, you know, it really does seem bizarre, given that she, she's a good performer in the media. She passed the same-sex marriage private member's bill from mm. opposition yeah. um, and, and got nothing in the in the carve up of responsibilities yeah. for this government. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I've, I've thought that as well. But, but um, why don't you think it without your fingers in your mouth? Sorry, be sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, I've thought the same thing. I've heard that um, she's not necessarily good at endearing herself to her colleagues. Oh yeah. Um, but as you say, Ben, that um, same sex marriage bill. Um, it's hard to think of anything else in recent history that's um, that's been as oops, such a proud moment in Parliament, regardless of what side of the yeah. of the floor you sit on. Yeah. Um, Probably the biggest international yeah. array progressive stuff. Yeah. Acclaim globally before mm. the baby. Before um, before the BC. baby came, the most yeah, progressive BC. baby in history. Um, uh, there's some chatter that um, after um, Jacinda Ardern gets her feet back under the desk, that there'll be a little minor reshuffle. Don't know if you've heard any of that, but um, one of the things that I heard, which may or may not have any truth to it, is that Shane Retty, not Shane Retty, who do I mean? Chris Farfoy. Oh, yeah. Is uh, a possibility for broadcasting. I mean, the well, you'd hope so. It, it, whether or not Claire Curran, um, Claire Curran, who's who's not had a good few months, I think it's fair to say, um, in charge of the broadcasting portfolio. I don't know. I mean, Kelvin Davis also has not had a good time, but you can't demote him y- from you know. deputy leader. That would be a. Uh, what do you so so? We're agreed. Lewis promotion for Lewis Wall. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, there's actually got. 
quite a lot of te- they've actually got a fair bit of talent uh, outside the executive currently or outside the cabinet ministers and, and ministers outside of cabinet Michael Wood uh, very very accomplished guy he's um, he's only barely a second term MP he sort of squeaked in in a by-election um, last term mm. Uh, but he's he's very good, very competent, uh, could handle a step up. Kiri Tapu Allen, I think the, the sooner they get her involved um, in serious responsibilities, mm. the better for the party. Deborah Russell's pretty highly rated within the party. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, Lewis Wall, staggering given the performance of some of the ministers that she was overlooked for responsibilities. Can I also mention Willow Jean Prime? who's excellent as well, and I, I think that, um, you know, they should be looking to get her into some sort of um, associate role in terms of um, um, treaty settlements or, um, you know, Crown Iwi relationships because she is super smart. She knows what all the issues are. <clears throat> She'd be of great value to them. It's um, She's someone who has a lot to contribute. I mean, the most important thing is that Claire Curran remains as Minister of Open Government to fulfil the promise of the most open and transparent government of all time. How's that going for um, uh, for you, Annabelle? Yeah, um, not really working for us, Toby, have well, to say. Not have, a whole lot of to, openness happening at there. all. This is the most open government <laughs> in all history, so... I know, it's well, basically it's like certainly a sieve. Not, it's not our experience. Is it not? No, absolutely not. It's just as hard to get um, OYAs... Um, uh, answered um, in their entirety. Um, we put in a request to interview Grognier Moss um, a couple of months ago. We were told we'd have to wait six weeks until the 27th of July, despite it being a really important issue, which is the number of children who were removed from their families as a result of the now debunked meth testing regime, because mm. Housing New Zealand... If, if, um, when tenants failed those tests, they would often um, notify SIFs. Uh, mm. um, so we tried to get her to talk about that. No, said she'd come on on the 27th, a couple of weeks before we get an email from her comms person saying that she's no longer available then either. Um, uh, in terms of um, getting OIAs answered, yeah, no, that's just as hard. So I have to say that... Um, when it comes to the rubber hitting the road, we're not seeing a whole lot of transparency. I've got a solution for that problem, mm. which is um, in line with the media advisory panel or whatever they were called, um, who uh, reportedly, upon learning that their material was um, uh, provided for release under the Official Information Act, decided to stop taking minutes. That's um, right. The, la- the last item on the minutes was the committee noted that their minutes would be subject to the Official Information <laughs> Act, and so, then it just stopped. <laughs> so, um, if if um, all uh, government and government officials and everyone would to just stop writing anything down, uh, then there wouldn't be anything to OIA, um, and it would be the most open government we've ever seen because nothing would ever have to be refused. It's just mm-hmm. an idea. It's just 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 make the beehive like. One of those, um, you know, buildings in a comedy where there's just been an earthquake or something, you know, where the side comes off and, right. you know, you sort of see into all of the... Oh, like the one rooms. of those jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. Did, yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you might see somebody in a bathroom or something, but mostly you would just hear people discussing important matters of state. Um, you can pay Ben for that advice um, if you just look up exceltium.co.nz or .ru or whoever pays for it, I don't know. 
the um, nurses we're getting to strikes the winter of discontent is it all is it how the nurses seemingly might be on the verge of agreeing the union to advise them to go for the new offer from the DHBs but is it a case of is it a case of labor appearing a soft touch is it a case of the seal breaking after years of mm. um, parsimonious government mm. It's quite a major issue for the Labour government. It is, and I, I do feel um, some sympathy for them because, uh, I mean, this is when, uh, after years and years of um, of under-resourcing, when a Labour, it tends to happen when a Labour government comes in, everybody hits the picket line, um, knowing that they've got a much better chance of, of um, driving through some of those um increases and and so it's it's it always tends to be a bit of a, a tough start for labor um in terms of you know health teaching those sorts of issues and I think that's what we're seeing again and um and yeah those nurses are driving a hard bargain and good on them yeah it's it's a bit of it's like an avalanche mm. um you know in the in the dying stages of the last national government um the finishing touches were put on that settlement with um with uh, care workers um, who had been underpaid for a long time. Mm. Um, then other care workers, i.e. mental health care workers, said, well, we're doing the same job. Why don't we get a pay rise as well? So that, I think that was just signed off this week. Um, and then nurses will start to say, you know, midwives as well got a bump, uh, you know, uh, a while ago. And then the other midwives who weren't covered by those agreements were, were got a bump in the budget. Then nurses start to say, "Well, look, we're we're you know the, we've got to keep this comparative. We haven't had pay rise in a long time." Then teachers, police are currently in negotiation as well, and and so it, it all kind of snowballs. You know, mm. pe- people start to see that you know a rising tide lifts all boats, and uh, and so people are pretty keen to get into the water in that case. Um, you know, you, you, when their boat. Uh, no, they are the boat, and then they get into the water because they see that the water is lifting all the boats. But in the boat, in the, in the water, in their boat, they would just to go straight into the water. They they go straight into the water if they're well, a boat. If they're in a boat, skis. then they take the <laughs> boat onto the water. Yeah. But or essentially, what I'm saying is that more is people, thing? more people are being, invo- <laughs> more people are getting involved in industrial action because they've got a greater claim because they can point to other people who are getting pay rises, and there's and there is a greater expectation that if other people are sharing in what we might call the social dividend um, of years of growth in a higher tax take, then they should be sharing in that as well. It's a great point. Um, we're running out of time. Let's talk briefly about the end of the, um, the Opportunities Party. Gareth Morgan announced um, issued the last rights. Did he? Did Have they finished? Have they that? gone? They're oh, done. shit. Yeah. Didn't know. No, um, that sucks. Um, that's, that's, some, that's some great analysis. <laughs> Thank you. And about well, then. strong counterpoint. It doesn't <laughs> suck. It's fine. <laughs> great. I think we've covered that one off nicely. <laughs> Um, Teodoro Flavel has stood down as co-leader of the Māori Party. Did you notice that? I did. He's actually um, taking over from my darling. My darling has mm. left Te Wānanga o Aotearoa. He's mm. been the CEO there for the last five years. Mm. 
my betrothed, Your betrothed who yeah, I'm yeah. marrying tomorrow. Getting married tomorrow. We're all going to be there. Not Everyone's invited. coming. The but whole we're all going. of the Motu. Neve's my flower girl. I was going to keep it as a surprise <laughs> for you guys on the day. But um, Jacinda has yeah, kindly agreed to let Neve be my flower she baby. To, Just, is you, she going to walk down You can RSVP no, for the ceremony. She's going to roll down the aisle. At Hui Hopper on Twitter. I'm, I'm keen to record a special episode of um, uh, Point Chev Cafe's podcast tomorrow. Yes. During the ceremony, what time is it? Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. What's 10, the address? Ten o'clock. Ten thirty. Ten thirty o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it we'll is. start. We'll start preloading at six. You're in, Alice. Yeah, it's going to be huge. We're going to get. We're just talking before. We're going to get a drone to drop some shit. Um, water cannons. Awesome. It's going to be. It's going to be amazing. Um, do do let Jim know that we're coming. I will. We'll be I will. Excited. I will. To hear that, um, he'll be over the moon. Um, look, the only the last thing that is on this list, really, um, for the reunion tour is this confounded free speech thing. I don't even want to talk about it. Do you want to talk about it, Ben? Do you want to talk about Annabelle? You know what? Just exercising my free speech, I yep. can't be fucked talking about it. Totally. Okay. Um, Anymore, Ben? Should we should we let Ben talk and we'll fade out over the. So Ben, you just begin, and then we'll just fade out at some point. I, look, when it becomes so, so. my my only interest in this is that I think some people have conflated this idea that nobody is required to provide a platform with the requirement for government and local government to be neutral. People talk about the need to have somebody at speaker's corner. You know, the government can't stop you from getting up in a park and speaking. Um, and we've got a similar sort of situation here, where essentially a town hall for anyone who can pay for it should be the speaker's corner. So it's not right to say that Phil Goff can ban people from uh, council venues just because he's a guy who happens to own a lot of venues. He, that's because he's the mayor. Did we fade out? Oh, no, no. Oh, are we keeping are we keep I don't know. I wasn't. Um, no, it's a fair point. It's, it's, a, it's a good point. Um, but but it's it quite cheeky to, for him to say it's a health and safety issue after the fact. I mean, I mean, we don't know how how it played out. Whether it was already banned, you know, whether it had already been cancelled as a health and safety issue, and then Goff just jumped on, deciding that he'd score cheap political points by pretending he had banned it, uh, or whether he sort of gave a nudge and a wink, and you know, to um, the Auckland Council to to boot them out of the venue. And we'd probably we probably wouldn't get to the bottom of that during a trial. And I think these things are a bit self-correcting, really. Um, please, last word, Annabelle Lee. Um, last word about free speech. Oh, anything you like, really. It's your last day of freedom. It's my last day of freedom. Yeah. Cut loose. Um, oh, I would just like to make a plea to Phil Twyford and Tracy Martin to please encourage your ministries to answer our OIAs. Um, I think using the excuse that it's too labour-intensive to find out how many children have ended up in state care as a result of notifications um, from Housing New Zealand is really piss-poor. And they're all our tamariki, and you would think that that everyone would want to know that information. So please, um, if you could encourage your ministries to answer that, that would be wonderful. Preach. Annabelle Lee, thank you. Thank you, Ben Thomas. Thank you, Alice. Um, if you are so desperate that you've managed to stay on this long, you'd probably also be delighted to hear that we now have a food podcast. What's it called? Dietary Requirements. Dietary requirements. I thought it should have been called Mean Feeds. I thought that would have, but that didn't even, I put that in the works like it was total, total tumbleweed. That's available on all usual platforms with our other 
uh, <coughs> host of uh, podcasts. Thanks a lot very much. We'll be better organised and we'll be more prompt next time, I promise. Which is what, 2019? Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.